Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our host, Steve Butler. On today's program, our series entitled, The Second Coming Versus the Rapture, as he opens God's Word to study the difference between the rapture and the second coming. It's time to explore Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy. For those of you that have been following along with us for uh, the last number of programs, you know that we're well into our series on the differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. And I thought that uh, since we had done a number of programs, and those of you that are following along in the the handout that has been uh, graciously uh, provided on the website by whcbradio.org. So if you go to that website, whcbradio.org, you'll find a copy of the uh, the handout, and it has all of the scriptures that we've been using to uh, show biblically that there is a significant difference uh, between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. And I thought it would probably be beneficial uh, for those of you that have been following along and may have a sense of being overwhelmed with so many scriptures, that I would do a uh, an overview uh, of the first three sets of points that we've done comparing the rapture and the second coming. So I'll plan to do that in our next program, in our next program. But today, I want to continue to pick up where we left off in our last program, and that was looking at our guide at point number three, And on the right-hand column under the second coming, we have been looking at Jesus has come back with his church at the end of the tribulation, and we've been building those scriptural points to prove those. And he has come back with his church, with his angels, to judge the people who are living on the earth at the end of the tribulation period. And we had uh, gone through uh, Joel about halfway through that list of scriptures, And uh, just very quickly, by way of review of that point, uh, in Jude, the second to the last book of the New Testament, uh, we saw in verses 14 and 15 that uh, Jesus is indeed coming back um, to the earth with his holy ones, which is the church. And then in verse 15, it talks about how he is uh, going to judge the earth for its unrighteousness, for its wickedness, for its lawlessness that had been occurring all through that uh, terrible time called the tribulation. Then uh, we took a turn to the beginning of the Bible, which you rarely uh, find anybody doing, but uh, indeed there is a passage in the book of Deuteronomy. And of course, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. It's called the uh, the Pentateuch. Uh, the Jews call it the Torah, the law. And in Deuteronomy, right at the uh, towards the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, in fact, the very end of Moses' writings, uh, we find in chapter 33 a reference to the Lord coming back in judgment with thousands and thousands of his holy ones. So just as we saw way into the book, the New Testament book of Jude, uh, going back, if you will, uh, 1,400 plus years, From the time of Jude to Deuteronomy, we see a reference to the same thing. So, again, the point being that we've got 66 books in the Holy Bible that have been given to us through the leading of the Holy Spirit and through the writing of over 40 authors that, uh, it's amazing, over 40 authors that were 
born uh, in three different continents. Uh, They wrote in three different languages, the Hebrew, the Greek, and there's some in Aramaic. And they they were in totally um, diverse positions in life. Some of the writers were kings, and some of the writers were poor tax collectors and fishermen and so forth. And it's just amazing to see and understand that, and then to see and understand the continuity of God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. All of these authors who lived over a 1,500-year period Many of them never, obviously over 1,500 years, many of them didn't know each other. And even those who were living at the same time as other writers, many of those didn't know each other, but they had the same exact message because it was the same Holy Spirit that indwelt and guided each of those authors to write down God's precious holy words. So we've got Jude in the New Testament, we've got Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, And then that third one, Isaiah 63, so you come forward about 800 years from Deuteronomy to around the 600, 650 B.C. time frame, and that's when Isaiah is writing. And Isaiah very briefly talks about the Lord coming back in his wrath, and he comes back to the same geographic point that was referenced in Deuteronomy, and that is the the land of Mount Seir, or what would be called in the, the um, Old Testament Edom from Esau, Jacob's brother. So we see a lot of continuity about the Lord coming back to judge throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And then we, we finished up by uh, very quickly looking at Joel, and that's where I'd like to pick up today in Joel chapter 3. So if you turn in your Bibles, and I pray you're in a position to uh, look at your Bible, And uh, I'll try to be as specific as I can as I read the scriptures. If you happen to be in your car doing something where being in your Bible would be distracting, we certainly don't want that. But uh, if you do, uh, turn in your Bible to Joel, and it's one of what are called the minor prophets. And again, the minor prophets are called that simply because they're small in size, but they certainly aren't small in impact and information. And Joel's a great example of that. Joel is chock-a-block full of good prophetic information. And you find that at the beginning, uh, almost at the very beginning, uh, right after Hosea. And Hosea comes uh, right after Daniel, as you're thumbing from left to right in your Bible. So if you you find Ezekiel and Daniel, then you'll find Hosea and then Joel. And in Joel chapter 3, looking at verse 2, it says, I, and this is God talking, In fact, for continuity and context um, sake, let's go to verse 1. Joel chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and at that time, so that's a reference to the end of the age, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. And we certainly know that they have not been restored as yet. Uh, Even though Israel is in the land, they are in the land in almost total unbelief. Uh, They do not believe that the Messiah has come. Verse 2, the key verse, I, God, will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance. And the Lord tells you exactly who that is. It's Israel. And they, uh, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. 
So a very clear prophetic future reference to the Lord coming back as we saw in Joel, as we saw in Deuteronomy, as we saw in the Isaiah passages. And those are just um, examples of passages. There are certainly others that talk about the Lord coming back to judge. And he gets uh, specific in the Joel passage, and he said that's going to be in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which basically um, translates out of the Hebrew into God judges. And um, as I mentioned last time in our last program, Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Jehoshaphat is believed by a number of scholars to be the Kidron Valley, which is a long valley that runs from the valley where uh, the armies will marshal for Armageddon uh, in the Jezreel Valley in north-central Israel runs down right next, actually in between the the Temple Mount and the uh, Mount of Olives, which are less than a mile apart. And then it runs all the way down into the Dead Sea. So this is what's called the Valley of Judgment, and he's going to enter into judgment against all those nations. And he's going to judge them, and he tells us it's going to be a judgment on behalf of Israel. So he's sitting and judging on behalf of his people, his inheritance, Israel. And he's going to judge the nations on how they have scattered his people across the world over the centuries and how they have divided up my land and how real and current uh, that information is. Of course, the Israelites have been scattered for many centuries. The last big scattering or diaspora Happening, happening in 70 A.D., the one before that in 586, and then one before that when the ten northern tribes were scattered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. So the scattering has been going on, but the dividing up of the land has been uh, somewhat recent. Um, there has been a taking away and, and a um, getting back through wars of the land over the centuries in the Old Testament but only recently have we seen that in, in the last oh, 100, 150 years. And it's become very real and very painful for the Jews that are living in Israel to see this happening through the different wars. So the point is God's coming back. He's going to judge. He's going to judge him for scattering his people, and he's going to judge them for uh, dividing up his land. So let's um, take a look at the other reference that's in our handout Uh, available again at whcbradio.org, and look at Matthew 25. So let's go from Joel through the minor prophets into the New Testament, and you see uh, the first book in the New Testament is Matthew 25. And let's turn right past Matthew 24, which is where we've been spending some time here in this series because it talks about the second coming of Christ uh, in, in, as referenced by uh, the title Son of Man, because we know from the evidence that he's coming to judge the world, not to bring rewards and blessings. He does that at the rapture. Uh, in Matthew 24, it's talking about the tribulation period. And then in Matthew 25, he gives us examples of what is going to happen uh, during and at the end of the tribulation period. So you have the parable of the ten virgins, and this is the vision, the uh, idea that they can lose their um, lose the Holy Spirit as they did in the Old Testament, and which will be the case during the tribulation. 
because the focus by God is back on Israel, and the focus is the gospel of the kingdom. And you see that some of those uh, virgins um, did not have oil, and it ran out when it came time to go in to the wedding feast of the church and uh, Jesus. And then the point I wanted to bring to your attention in Matthew 25 actually starts in verse 31. So Matthew 25, 31. And here we see a future realization of what we've been reading about in Jude, in Deuteronomy, in Isaiah, and in Joel. Now we're seeing the realization. Verse 31, but when the Son of Man, and again stepping out of Scripture, we see the Son of Man. It doesn't say the Son of God. So when we see the Son of Man, we know that he's coming in judgment. So back in verse 31, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So we know that this is at the end of the tribulation. Jesus is on the earth, on his glorious throne, and he's judging the nations. And what he's doing is dividing the Gentiles. And he's dividing the Gentiles because he has a separate judgment for Israel, we find in Ezekiel 20, and we'll reference that uh, at another point in the series. But here he's judging all the Gentiles. And remember, in the world, you're either a Gentile or you're a Jew as far as God's concerned. So here are all the Gentiles who are living on the earth at the end of the tribulation. There aren't going to be many of them, as we know, because of all the horrible judgments uh, during the tribulation that killed so many um, people on the earth. But those that have made it will be divided in half. And the way Jesus, sitting on his glorious throne, is going to judge them is he's going to call the sheep those who... uh, protected and did good things for what he refers to in verse 40 of Matthew 25 as brothers of mine. Now, there are those that would want to say, well, that's the church, that we're a brother of Jesus Christ, and indeed we are. But in context, that doesn't apply here because this is in context at the end of the tribulation, and Jesus is judging the people on the earth for how they treated the brothers of mine, which are the Jews, which is exactly what we were told in Joel 3, uh, verse 2, he would judge on, is the scattering of my people and the dividing up of my people's land, and that he will uh, judge positively those who have protected and treated the Jews well during the tribulation period, and he will, um, as it says down in verse 46, the very end of Matthew 25, these will go away into eternal, um, eternal life, the righteous will. And those who mistreated the Jews that continued to divide their land, that helped to have them killed by the Antichrist, they will go away, in verse 46, into eternal punishment. So um, a very difficult time. But the key thing is to show how the Bible uh, corroborates, uh, verifies, justifies passages like uh, Matthew 25, 31, that that, uh, that passage about the judgment of the sheep and goats does not have to stand on its own, but it can be supported biblically by other passages in the Bible. Then moving on from that uh, to show again that Jesus is coming back to judge, let's go back from Matthew, just a couple of books, 
since we're in Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, if you turn back to the left, you'll come to Malachi, very, very short book. And then right after that, you have Zechariah, who was a priest, but God used him as a prophet. So Zechariah is prophesying here, and he is one of the Jews that came back at the end of the 70 years of captivity, came back with Zerubbabel in the first of the three uh, movements back to Jerusalem from Babylon. And uh, he's writing in Zechariah 14 and verses 4 and 5. And it says in verse 4, In that day his, Jesus he's refer, is being referred to, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move towards the north and the other half toward the south. And you will flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. So we're seeing here a reference to Jesus coming back just as was prophesied in Acts chapter 1, if you recall in verses 9 and 10, it says that when you see him going up from the Mount of Olives uh, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and now you're going to see him come back in the same way. So here he is standing on the Mount of Olives, just as it had been prophesied, and he is coming back with all the holy ones with him. The holy ones, of course, being the elect, being the church that had uh, been prophesied. All right, we have that in Zechariah as proof that he's coming back. And then we have uh, another confirmation of this judgment day, and that's in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 17. So you have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 17 and verse 31 reads... Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men raising him from the dead. So we're talking about Jesus Christ uh, is going to judge on a day that God has fixed. And we uh, can know that pretty well what that day is. Because we know once the tribulation starts, which is what we studied in um, the um, first part of point number three, we know that uh, we can count the days off from the day that the covenant is entered into between the Antichrist and Israel. We can count forward the number of days that are in seven years, 30 days to the month in the Jewish reckoning, and we can know when Jesus is coming back to judge. Then we want to go to um, Romans chapter 2. And we have so much to talk about in Romans chapter 2, and uh, even more so in Second Thessalonians. So this is a good time to go to a question that we have from a listener in Kingsport. So we'll pick up at Romans chapter 2 next time, and here we'll go to a question from Cindy in Kingsport. And she says, or her question is, does Jesus come for his bride like a thief in the night? 
a very good question, Cindy, and we see that, or we actually hear that and read that quite a bit today because it's used quite often, and there is uh, very little distinction made between the rapture and the second coming by, um, unfortunately, a lot of churches and a lot of people, a lot of writers, uh, uh, theologians. So let's see if we can't uh, dig into this a little bit and answer your question, Cindy. First, Cindy, let's see what Jesus says about a thief and how a thief relates to the church, uh, if indeed the church, if indeed a thief does relate to the church. So let's turn to the Gospel of John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the fourth of the, the four Gospels. And let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, it says in verse 1, let's, let's look at verse 1 first. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So you can see that the Jesus identifies someone who is trying to sneak in to the fold of sheep, and he's talking about his righteous ones, his righteous people, is a thief and a robber. Now, for more clarification, let's go down to verse 7 and read forward from there. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all those supposing and posing as Christ, that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So the righteous did not hear, did not follow these thieves and robbers. I am the door, verse 9. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So you can see a very clear distinction that Christ himself makes, that the thief who comes in the night is coming to do damage, and he will try to do damage to the church, but he will not be able to do it. So it's pretty clear, Cindy, that the thief is a negative image. Jesus comes to give life. The thief comes to kill and destroy. And you remember that uh, John also relates in John chapter 5, verses 24 to 27, and we've read that many times, that Jesus comes as the Son of God to give life. So you can see the relationship between Christ in John 10 and Son of God in John 5. And he comes as the Son of Man to execute judgment on the world for its sin. So he is relating the attributes of the thief to the Son of Man, which is actually Jesus, but he's coming to do the work of a thief, if you will. He's coming to destroy the sinful nature of the world, its sinful and lawless acts and deeds. So all the New Testament passages that use the terms comes like a thief or come like a thief or like a thief in the night, all of those New Testament passages refer to the second coming of Christ to the earth when he comes to judge as the Son of Man. 
Those terms are never found, Cindy, in relationship to the church and to the and to the rapture. So, in closing uh, of this uh, particular answer to your question, Cindy, let's look at some chap- some uh, verses that talk about that. Let's go to First Thessalonians. So, First Thessalonians is after First Second Corinthians and the the short epistles of Paul, and then he gets into um, First and Second Thessalonians. And in First Thessalonians, we want to go to chapter five. Chapter five, when we get to chapter five, we want to look at verse two. And it says uh, in First Thessalonians five two, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So we know that the day of the Lord is referring to the period of the tribulation. It is not referring to the rapture. And then we look at um, verse 4. It says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. And that day is referring back to that day of the Lord, referring back to the period of the tribulation. That you are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief. And then going to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter, so if you keep going to the right and you're looking for Hebrews and then James and then you come to Peter, and Peter wrote two books, so we want to go to his second book, Second Peter, and in chapter 3, in verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord, there's that reference again, will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So you can see the negative connotation, Cindy, of the day of the Lord and like a thief. And then um, look at um, Revelation chapter 3. So go to the last book. Keep going to the right. Revelation chapter 3. And we get to Revelation chapter 3. This is the end of uh, John's relating the uh, seven letters to the seven churches. And in Revelation chapter 3, and in verse 3, it says, So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So again, a very negative connotation. He's saying, wake up. If you don't wake up and come to faith in me, I will come to you like a thief. So let's um, let's finish this little point, this answer to Cindy, and go back to Matthew. And let's go back to that second coming passage in Matthew chapter 24 and go to a passage that uh, people interpret in different ways. But I believe if you interpret it in the literal context, uh, with a greater overstanding, over, uh, overarching understanding of God's character, you'll see that this is talking about the second coming. And it says that um, in verse 42, Therefore be on alert that you do not know which day your Lord is coming, but be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what night time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. 
Thank you for joining us on today's Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.